you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Without further ado, that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Hey! 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 I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome, everyone, to Buckets, the fantasy basketball podcast sponsored by Prize Picks for the Action Network. I'm your host, Dan Titus. With my guy Adam Koffler. What's good, bro? How you doing? Ten more days till the start of the NBA season. Hey, I can't wait. And we've got a hey. fantastic guest on today. Yeah, super excited, man. So let's just get straight to business today. We are joined by an esteemed guest, Eric Moody. But this guy is a guy I've admired for a very long time. I linked up with him uh some mm-hmm. years ago as I noticed that there wasn't a lot of people of color doing fantasy basketball. And or just fantasy sports in general. And I reached out to him. He was very nice to me and giving me some advice in terms of how to navigate my career. And we are here talk fantasy basketball. Yes. So really excited to have Eric on. Um, he just recently joined ESPN as a fantasy betting writer. And you're going to be seeing him on the Daily Wager. Tons of articles for ESPN and ESPN Plus. So Moody, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. As always, you know, thank you for the invite. And I'm glad we've been finally able to connect. But I do remember those conversations, uh, you know, that we've had like offline. So it's nice to kind of finally make it official. So thanks again for the invite. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, during the pandemic, you know, there's tons of clubhouse conversations that were going around in the fantasy industry of like how to break through. And I know you came from a financial background, but uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your journey in the fantasy embedding space and kind of how you ended up at ESPN here. Yeah, I would say it all, it all kind of started. I had an old work colleague that introduced me to, to fantasy football. And, you know, from playing football in high school and college for a little bit, you know, I was immediately, immediately hooked. And so after that season ended, you know, I was thinking, I was like, wow, you know, this was fun. You know, I, I want another uh, fantasy experience. And I've always been a huge uh, basketball fan, uh, you know, from in the 90s, you know, young kids sitting there watching, you know, Michael Jordan win those championships, you know, the Houston Rockets and just, you know, the, the glory, you know, that is 90s uh, NBA basketball. And so, you know, I had a basketball bug, uh, but I didn't play, you know, in high school or college or anything. I just played in grade school, but always followed the sport. And so, you know, what 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 comes after football, you know, for fantasy, it's basketball. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to play fantasy basketball. And so again, I was immediately hooked, uh, you know, after that. And so what ultimately ended up happening, you know, because I always enjoy, you know, conducting research uh, and helping people, you know, just giving advice and guidance. That's what ultimately led me to Twitter and just from different tweets and things that I would send out. It just 
it kind of parlayed or, you know, dominoes fell like into writing opportunities, uh, you know, with various websites, you know, that were out there. And I started off with uh, Fantasy Football Locker Room. You know, the site doesn't exist anymore, but that just led to opportunities with uh, Fantasy Pros, then with Rotoviz and all the other websites that I've, I've written for. I felt like I've written for every single website that's out there, but uh, that's ultimately kind of how all the dominoes came together. I just say, you know, just keep grinding, as they say. Uh, I would say take, you know, take feedback that you hear and implement quickly. And uh, just always, you know, try to get better. And my whole mantra for social media, just to try to bring all that together is, um, you know, don't tweet or put anything out there that you wouldn't be comfortable that your family and friends would see. And, uh, you know, and be kind, you know, be nice, try to be helpful. And those are some things that really served me well, like in my sports media career. So. That's, that's fantastic stuff, man. Cause I, I've got a, I've got a small example of, of that, you know, before, before I started writing and making it a little bit more professional, you know, some of your tweets can be, you know, from when you, I started Twitter back in 2011, I'm like a young kid in college. Some of my stuff was like, kind of, you know, kind of crude, probably not, you know, what my parents would want to see or what like should be putting out there in the public. I was so like kind of hateful to Matthew Barry that he ended up blocking me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I met, I met the dude in Vegas at the FSGA conference. I went with Dan and I talked to him. I was like, man, you blocked me like 10 years ago. You know, I probably was, you know, said some hateful words, but you know, I'm interested in like reconnecting with you and maybe like you could unblock me and I can, we can move on from there. And I made a donation. He said, make a donation to uh, the Jimmy V foundation. Mm-hmm. And I did that. He unblocked me. So I sent him an email with a screenshot and, you know, he, he now follows me. We now have like a, a decent relationship, which is like kind of neat, but it just goes back to your point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, treat it like it's kind of like your, your business a little bit and like, don't put anything out there that you, know, you might regret and just kind of treat it like a professional space, so to speak. Yeah, no. And that's, that, that's a really good story. And hopefully for those, you know, that listen can, can kind of take something from that because the key word that you mentioned too, was like, you know, treat it, you know, treat it like a business for where, you know, just think of it as like, you know, a business. I know people talk about all oh, your brand and all that kind of stuff, but just treat it like a business for where it's like, Hey, here's, here's what I have out there. You know, here's people's you know, perception of me. You got to think that, Hey, you're, you know, you, you cast a shadow and you want to make sure that it, you know, the right kind of vibe, right kind of shadow, all those things. So that's a really good story. You know, kudos to you, Adam, for, uh, you know, kind of circling back to Matthew and, you know, just owning it. That's, that's the big thing, you know, just owning the mistake and you turned it into a positive. So no doubt, no doubt. I, I used to do the same stuff with Brad Evans too. I was like, yell at him constantly. <laughs> I feel like everybody yells at Brad Evans though. And like, that's like, and he's, part al- of like- <laughs> and he's always quote tweeting him and saying like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm the worst fantasy, fantasy analyst in the world yet. You still follow my advice. Right. Like- right. Right. <laughs> But no, great stories. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk hoops here. So Moody, you recently just participated in a really cool 10-team head-to-head mock draft uh, with your colleagues there. And Koffler and I have some questions. We've been we've been a little bit critical of uh, some of the rankings at ESPN, some of them, you know, ranking LeBron James in the in the top 25. But we're just gonna kind of run through some of the ones that stuck out to us. So wanted to start off with James Harden, number two behind Jokic with all the Kyrie stuff that's going on do you think that that elevates Harden up the the tier of of reliability in terms of making him a high draft pick 
Yeah, even even with the Kyrie situation, which that is going to be fascinating to see how that unfolds. You know, I, I don't believe that that Harden's like consensus, you know, number two. I'm like, he's a fantasy beast, you know, as we know. And if he averaged a ridiculous you know, 24.6 points, 8.5 rebounds, 10.9 assists and 1.3 steals, you know, for the Nets, you know, once he made the transition. And he's a great target, but I prefer him like in the middle you know, the middle part of the first round. Uh, good news is he'll be healthy entering the season. I know he's kind of dealing with a uh, hamstring injury, I believe, from last year. Uh, you know, the Nets, you know, they could ultimately rest him off and on throughout the season. You know, end game for them is a championship. So I, I don't think that they'll hesitate to rest a guy like Harden, you know, Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. And so my pick, I would say, for the consensus number two actually would be, you know, Giannis. You know, he's in his prime. He hasn't been the type of player – I guess that would rest like on back to backs. And he was like the number two, like uh, fantasy, uh, number two producer, I would say in fantasy hoops, especially if you were like punting, you know, free throw. So I prefer him. Sure. Over That's interesting, man. Cause in the mock draft, you had the chance to take Giannis at six mm-hmm. and you decided to go with Lillard. Was that, a, was that a slip of the keyboard or, or what do you, what do you see in Damian Lillard? <laughs> yeah. If, you know, one thing that's funny when you're in these, in these mock drafts or you're with other, you know, sharp, you know, players, I felt like with that decision, I felt like I could get value at, you know, the power forward center position a little bit later in the draft. And I wanted to build that team and that mock around like a top tier point guard. And so I'm a huge Damian Lillard guy. You know, he's a great all around contributor. Uh, when you look at Lillard, I know he averaged you know 28.8 points per game on 45% shooting from the floor uh, and 39% shooting from three with uh, 7.5 assists, 4.2 rebounds, and three turnovers in nearly 36 minutes per game. So you're getting that multifaceted statistical line. And Lillard's success should continue this season. Uh, I would say with building that team around him, and I know you guys have looked at the mock draft, I really like how that team came together. So that was my thought process on that, Adam. <laughs> I, yeah. Listen, man, I agree. I agree. I, I like Lillard, especially if Giannis's free throw percentage stays in like the upper yes. 60s. Now, now, if you can guarantee me that, that it's not going to go above 70%, I want Lillard. But Giannis, I think, averaged like 77% from the line in 2017, maybe. If he can get back up to yeah. that, he doesn't really hurt you anywhere, except maybe a little bit in threes, but Jokic doesn't hit, hit that many threes either. So no. it kind of depends on how Giannis does from the line, man. Yeah, no, you're right. And I and I was I remember being on the clock because we uh we've been doing those mock drafts at the beginning of every week and I was very close, very close to taking him. But I was like, I just want to have the stability in that uh categories format with having a, a solid uh, point guard. But yeah, it, it's a tough decision, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely get point guards, you know, unless you're getting like a Steph Curry or uh or Damian Lillard, you can definitely wait on the point guard position where someone getting someone as versatile as Giannis get those kind of volume stats in key categories, along with the reliability that he's actually going to be on the court playing heavy minutes. Um, you really can't pass that up. So, yeah, I think that there's there's definitely certainly an argument to be made about Giannis going that high. But, yeah, so let's continue on. I think that probably the biggest surprise of this draft was De'Aaron Fox going at number eight. Now, was that also a slip of the keyboard, or are your colleagues that high on, on De'Aaron Fox here? Because... You know, Fox, while super talented, um, we really saw him get more of usage rate in that Luke Walton offense in the second year. And I just got to wonder, like, is he going to make that next leap uh, to do something better, like first round value? Yeah, I felt like this was one of those scenarios. And it's funny that you you mentioned that because we, um, you know, about uh, the Fox pick, because, you know, we weren't on Zoom or anything for uh, for that draft. So there wasn't like a like an audio reaction. reaction. They're like, oh, man. 
it wasn't anything like that. But it, at least in my opinion, I know everyone, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm an advocate for, hey, going to go to go get your guys, as they say. But yeah, the, yeah. The selection, in my opinion, was uh, was a bit early. Uh, you know, but I do like Fox, you know, before the, the COVID diagnosis that ended the season last year. Uh, he was playing really the best basketball of his career, in my opinion. I, I think back to March, like in those 12 games, like he averaged, you know, 30.6 points, 6.7 assists, 4.2 rebounds, you know, per game while shooting 53.4% from the floor. He was phenomenal. And he's in a position, you know, this year to kind of take that next step up into that more like elite tier. So, hey, I'm all about going to get your guy. If Fox is your guy, go get him. I mean, Cregan must be like a Kings fan or something, right? That that's 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 like a Homer pick. A Homer pick, yeah, yeah. About to say, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny because I was thinking, uh, thinking back to some other mocks that I've done. Like I've seen Fox go, uh, like in the late second. I, I want to say that the third round seems to have been the sweet spot to get Fox. I mean, what what have you two seen? Yeah, likewise. I, I would say it's more the second, early third round there, you know, because he yeah. finished 72nd overall last season. And yeah. that was partially due to the COVID. But I think that there's better value there that you can take, um, especially for some of the big men that may uh, come at a premium because you can't always replace those. The big, the big men are essentially tight ends of the of the NFL here. Like you can't get yeah. that value. And if you can get that positional upgrade over your competitors in the league, um, you got to take it. You can get point guards. I just don't know to a first round value yet. Generally speaking, I think the problem with guards like De'Aaron Fox is they get to the line so much, but Fox only shot 71.9% from the line. That's going to hurt your free throw percentage you know, on a weekly basis just because he gets to the line so much. So that's why it's hard for him to get up to that top tier of, of point guards. Like, you know, I mean, it's not Dame or Steph, but Dame or Steph are first round picks because they shoot like 90% from the line and they, and they get there pretty often. Right. So yeah. So that's that's why it's it's tough to see Fox get, you know, return that top 30 value because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's only really the spot that hurts him is his free throws, right? Like, I mean, he averaged 25 points last year with seven dimes. You know, he gets you rebounds. He shoots pretty well from the field at 48%. So uh, yeah. I see the argument for him to, you know, potentially he takes like a Giannis step up and actually starts hitting some free throws. That catapults his value already off of that, probably yeah. up into the top 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, but top but usually usually you want your, your, your big men are going to hurt you in free throws, not your point guards. Right. And that, that's True. that's where the discrepancy comes with Fox. Uh, so let's go to the next guy. Second rounder, you went Anthony Davis. And we just had Yovan Buha on our podcast a couple weeks ago. And I love this pick mainly because I think if you're going to take a Laker, you got to take AD because he doesn't need a lot of usage to be effective. And exactly. you got to feel like Russell Westbrook and LeBron are kind of going to cannibalize each other's opportunities in terms of assists and rebounds. But I think this is a prime spot for them to really lean on AD as the big man and be the focal point of the offense, but he'll still give you those defensive metrics that are so key uh, for that center position. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're right. I think you and I are aligned um, because I, you know, I, I look at Davis like last year, you know, I'll, I'll be transparent. Like last year was a disaster. I think a lot of fantasy <laughs> managers who had him on his yeah. team were like, never again, not doing AD, but you know, as, as Sun Tzu mentioned, you know, the art of war, you know, in the midst of chaos, there's also opportunity. And, and that's kind of the angle that I'm coming from. You know, he's had ample time to rest. You know, the, he didn't have like a short turnaround time, like from the previous season, like after the Lakers won the championship. I felt like he took two breaths and it's like, all right, the new season's here. And you're just like, hey, these guys got to get some rest. And I think that ultimately impacted uh, the Lakers. But if you look at um, like Davis, you know, looking at it big picture, looking at his statistical body of work, like he's been one of the best fantasy basketball players like of the last decade. Like you look at his supporting cast, I think he has a chance, in my opinion, 
like to finish as like a top four player. And if I can get that in the second round, you know, although I'm taking on a little bit of risk, you know, I, I want to swing for the fences here, but I'm, I'm particularly excited to see Davis. I've really spent more time, you know, as a five this season. I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think he's going to be able to accumulate like a ton of stats. Uh, and again, I'm willing to take on the risk for the potential upside. Hey, just given his body of work. So I love it. No, no doubt about it. And, and something Jovan told us when he was on is that, like you said, it was a shortened season uh, last year, not, not so much of a, an off season to, to train and get ready. And AD never experienced that before in his career. So he battled with, you know, some of these uh, soft tissue injuries and like fantasy labs always posting the tweet of the burning cash as AD goes back to the locker room every single game. So it was a tough season for AD statistically. Like he just had a down year. And like you said, he's going to be, a, he's got top five upside if he stays healthy and he's coming into the season healthy and he's coming into the season with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. Like nobody's taking away from Anthony Davis in that, in that scenario. And he's going to be playing the five which is probably better from a fantasy perspective yes. for him. Agreed. So yeah. totally, totally on board with you taking AD there um, in the middle of the second round over guys like, you know, Vucevic, Sabonis, like they don't have the upside that AD has, but at 16, Andre Snellings uh, took LeBron James. And to, to me, that's a little bit early because like Dan said, Russell Westbrook is going to cannibalize some of those assists and rebound opportunities most likely. Can you give us a little bit of insight on how you're kind of work dealing with uh, the LeBron James situation this season, if you're willing to go in the second round for him? You know, again, I'll be candid. Yeah. I, I don't want to take him there. Uh, at least in my opinion, it was a little, a little too early. I think one thing with LeBron, if you look at, um, I would say just leagues like in general, you know, not like a, a writer, analyst, expert type league is that everyone's going to see the name LeBron James. They're going to have certain thoughts that go through their mind, thinking of the LeBron James brand, all those things. And they're going to draft him. But he just came nowhere close like to his ADP last season. If you look at his statistical production, like on a per game basis, that's my biggest concerns. Uh, you look at the Lakers, they they did add some significant offensive weapons like this offseason. You know, you mentioned it earlier, you know, Russell Westbrook. And they've got all these other players that are kind of past their prime that were elite, you know, back in the day. So a nice little collection there. But at 37 years old, I think he's a candidate to be overdrafted this year. And unless I get him at a discount, uh, I don't have him on any of my teams right now. And that won't change unless I get him. Uh, at a discount relative to his ADP. You know, pretty telling trend is that his minutes have gone down each of the last five seasons. And mm -hmm. even if they don't strategically rest him, they're just going to be decreasing his minutes on the court. So it's just yeah. much of a risk of he's not going to be as available as he previously was. And, mm -hmm. you know, you got to have people on the court and just can't trust LeBron at this age at this point. So totally agree yeah. with you there. So let's kick it to your third rounder. You went Zach Levine here. Um, some other notable guys around that range were Michael Porter Jr., Shea Gilgis Alexander. Curious are your thoughts on Levine, mainly because they obviously went on a spending spree um, this offseason, getting Lonzo Ball, uh, DeMar DeRozan, et cetera. So give me your thoughts there, why you like Levine. Yeah, I do like Levine, uh, even with that supporting cast. I, I think he'll be able to still contribute in all the statistical categories that he did uh, last year. The only area that may see a drop, in my opinion, or uh, his point total, but it's, it's not a significant enough drop for where I don't feel comfortable taking him in the third round. He's been someone I've been prioritizing in that range, like in many drafts. Like you look at last year, like he ranked 25th in nine category leagues. And uh, with that supporting cast, you know, I still believe he can be productive. Kind of another angle too, is that like, plus he gets to learn from uh, DeRozan too. It sounds like DeRozan's excited, you know, to play with Levine. And uh, everyone knows what he's capable of. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see what kind of, 
tips or uh, or things that he passes on to Levine, which could possibly take his game like to the next level. So I just love him at that ADP. You know what? Until until you kind of explain that uh, thought process to us now, I was I was down on Levine, but you reminded me about a good point that I like to make to people in nine cat head to head leagues. It's not all about points. And people always try to follow the points. And sure, Zach Levine's point total will probably come down, but it's it's the other body of work that he puts together, like the three-pointers, the yeah. rebounds across the board, the assists. Like, I mean, he averaged 3.4 three-pointers per game. Like, not many guys do that with the percentages that he provides to you. So we could also see with the dropping points, uh, we could see a decrease in turnovers too. He, he may yeah. just not have the ball in his hands as much. So I'm kind of with you. Like now that you said that, like I'm kind of in on Zach Levine in, in the middle of the third round or so. Yeah. So the next one that, uh, so you mentioned this earlier is you like to wait on those kind of big men with the high field goal percentages that can kind of counteract some of the, the guards that you take early on. So 46 overall, you went with a guy that I'm really high on. Like I've got this guy almost in my top 30. Talk to me about Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I know. I'm glad that you uh, you brought him up because this was someone uh, at this stage of the draft. I was like, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. You know, if he's available, you always have the contingency plan. Like if the player you're targeting is not, but once I saw saw him there, I did not hesitate to hit the hit the button. Uh, when I think about Holmes, you know, he posted you know career highs across the board. You know, last season, uh, you know, 14.2 points, 8.3 rebounds. You know, 1.7 assists, 1.6 block. Only played 29 minutes per game. But one thing that I like, and this is it's not a way to quantify this like in fantasy, but you know, money talks. You know, I guess I'll reference the old uh, Chris Tucker classic from what 1997, I believe. I will slap you, man. I will slap the hell out of you. You don't play with me. You don't know who you're messing with. I don't even know when I'm gonna slap somebody. My reflex is just slap people. I'd be like, damn, I, why did I why did I do that? I don't even know when I'll be slapping people. I don't know when I'm gonna slap somebody. You keep messing with me. I'm dangerous. I'm scared of myself. They call me snap and pop because I snap and I will pop your ass in the mouth. Don't mess with me, man. It's for where um, you look at the contract that they gave him. That subconsciously tells me, hey, we're making an investment in you. Hey, we like your game. We want to make you a focal point of this offense, you know, of this team. And you look at last year's production, at least in my opinion for Holmes, I think that's like the floor, uh, not necessarily his ceiling. I believe it'll be much, much higher. That's why I'm excited to get him you know, the fifth or sixth round, depending on where he's going in draft. So I have a very high uh, percentage of homes on my teams right now. I'm with you. You want to hear a hot take? And I always come in with these hot takes. Like, yeah, sure. I, I almost would rather have Rashawn Holmes and the the statistical prowess he gives you in the areas that he like gives you value over LeBron James. In a, in a, hey. in a nine cat head to head league, it, get, it makes a lot of sense. Like LeBron mm-hmm. finished 36 on a per game basis last season. I uh, forget exactly Holmes what Holmes was, Holmes was, but it was 30. Holmes was 33. Holmes was 33. You just said that was his floor. And LeBron's going to regress, and Rashawn Holmes got the contract, and he might progress. So, I mean, I don't think it's hot, but some people might think it's hot. Yeah, I don't think it's hot. No, not at all. And then you even look at the Sacramento's depth behind him. It's like no one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and Marvin Bagley's probably going to be out of there sooner rather than later. I'm curious yeah, to see what, what happens in terms of, like, just the dynamic of the team. Because uh, Sacramento – is certainly not a good basketball team. And Luke Walton hasn't gotten them to the promised land or anywhere close to it. 
So, you know, he's got to be on the hot seat a little bit. But one thing that they did right in that organization was investing in, in Rashawn Holmes because he is certainly a baller. Coffer and I are both Sixers fans, grew up around Philly. So we knew Rashawn Holmes before he actually popped off. And just another story for another player that left the Philly organization and thrived elsewhere. So, um, <laughs> oh, actually, so want to want to chat about one guy. I know Adam mentioned it before the, st- the start of the show. OG Ananobi went 63 overall. Based off what you've seen in the preseason, I mean, They've been, obviously, Pascal Siakam's out of the lineup, but it seems like they're really giving him the ball and giving him a chance to score and really take that next leap in his game. And we already know about his defensive prowess and what he can do across the board. But well, what, do you th- what are your thoughts there on OG Ananobi? No, no, that's someone else that I'm, uh, I'm really, really high on. You know, I like what I saw from him uh, last year. And, you know, if you just keep adding additional elements to your game, uh, like each, you know, each offseason – uh, I, I, I really like the potential that he has like for this year. So he's someone I'm really high on. Um, and yeah, so like late in the draft, you drafted Kyle Anderson, 115 overall. Given that what Memphis is doing, I mean, that seems like pretty good value, right? Like no one's, I feel like slow-mo is always that guy that could be tinkering on your waiver wires or you're not sure you want to invest in him, but he produces. Uh, tell me more about why, why you selected Kyle Anderson. Yeah, I think back to Anderson, like last year, um, I think for for many managers, I'm like he had to be potentially like the waiver wire pickup of the year. I know he was going late in uh, some drafts last year. He's just really uh, well rounded. I just like a lot of players, especially in uh, you know eight or nine category leagues that give you production like in, in different categories, like multifaceted players. And Anderson reminds me of one of those guys. Uh, I think in in drafts like for this year, I'm like he's one of my favorite targets. You know, again in the middle rounds. That's an area where you can really, uh, really win your draft, you know, by getting players that can exceed expectations. So that's really all that I could say about him. I'm like, he's not that guy that's going to uh, like really just like wow you with like, oh, a 30 point performance, you know, 20 rebounds. But I'm like, he can give you, you know, double doubles, maybe some triple doubles, you know, as well. And so he's just a guy I like quite a bit. You know, he's kind of one of those uh, one of those glue players that can really uh, solidify your roster, I'd say. I'm totally I'm totally with you on slow-mo. And I think a guy uh, that could be sort of like him as a rookie even is Scotty Barnes in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, just across the board production in his first ever preseason game, we hear Nick Nurse talking him up. We got Pascal Siakam out for the first probably month of the season. Chris Boucher's out as well. I think with a dislocated finger, he had some kind of surgery on that potentially. So another guy just like Kyle Anderson that can produce across the board is not going to put up, you know, 30 points and 20 rebounds, but – doesn't matter in nine cat leagues. You want you want the gamut. Um, exactly. One thing that uh, concerns me a little bit about Kyle Anderson is the fact that he's coming off the bench in the first two preseason games. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked like the Anthony Melton and Desmond Bain were getting the starts for the Grizzlies. That could just be kind of seeing how the lineups mesh. I, I can't imagine Morant starts beside Melton and Bain to start the season, but Anderson's still going to get minutes even if he's coming off the bench in a six man role. So. At 115 overall, the guy finished 66 per game last season ahead of De'Aaron Fox, <laughs> so, who went in the first round of this draft. So just something to keep in mind. Very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah, got got to find it hard to believe that they would run out that small of a lineup. Um, I think they're probably just testing things. But, yeah, I think uh, one of the people that we always want to see get more minutes is De'Anthony Melton. That guy was a per 36 monster. Just got to give him the man some time because he really contributes across the board. Um all right, Moody. So to close out your team here, you were able to snag Derek White in the ninth round. 
You got Marcus Smart in the 11th. We already highlighted Kyle Anderson. Really like the John Collins pick. Got that in the seventh. And then you uh, filled out your front court with Miles Turner, Mitchell Robinson, and Brooke Lopez. So, you know, overall, man, you really built out a really nice squad here. Want to talk your riskiest players. So you started off, uh, you you wrote an article about a a week and a half or so ago about uh, some players in the first two rounds that you're you're not as high on for for certain reasons. So first player I want to chat about was Bradley Beal. Uh, give me the scoop on why you're a little bit hesitant on him as a, in the first two rounds. Yeah, and it, it's tough with a guy like Bradley Beal because you look at uh, what he was able to do like last season, like one of the best seasons is, of his career. Uh, when you look at his points per game and all those other uh, stats, it's just it's going to be an interesting year for where you have some players that are uh, not willing to to get or considering, as Beal said, you know, the COVID-19 vaccine, because yeah. you just think about for where if one of these players does come down with COVID, I'm like, you're potentially looking at, uh, depending on how severe the case is, where you're having a player that could be out anywhere from three to four weeks. And right. we all know from like a fantasy lens, especially with a player that would have the ADP of Bradley Beal, that could be devastating, you know, to your team. But I would say out of all the players that have been like in the news regarding uh, kind of their stances on on, on COVID and different things like that, I'm comfortable taking the risk like with Beal because we saw what he was capable of last year. And when you look at the the players that they've added like in Washington, I'm really excited to see kind of how his assist numbers are, you know, for this year. So that's kind of my take on on Beal. I would say he does carry some risk. But I think the risk with some of the other players in this article are even greater than Beal right now. If if you had the chance to take Kyrie Irving in the fifth round at like 50 overall, would you do it? You know, I'll, I'll go off my instinct and my, my instincts and guts are saying no. Stay away. Stay yeah, he, far, he, far away. Yeah, he is. He, I, you know, I think from a fantasy lens, he's the type of guy that gives you, that really gives you like migraines. Because uh, you think about, and, and I know it's tough because you've got, one side where you're like, hey, this guy is like phenomenal, like on a per game basis. I'm like, he's flirting like with first round value when active. But then again, on the other side, you're thinking, wow, I'm going to be constantly threatened day in and day out. And the NBA season's long, as we know, with DMPs. Uh, or, you know, he may just take a, a leave of absence for personal reasons that may or may not be known. And may so may not just, be in a club somewhere partying. It, it, exactly. <laughs> Allegedly. You know, like, yeah. So you, you get where I'm going with this. And so it's just like, are you going to be willing to deal, you know, with that headache? And anytime you build a team, you know, you're going to have to take, take some risk, but I'd rather take risk with other players and elsewhere than having to deal with Kyrie Irving. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Feel that. Totally agree with you, man. You, you, I agree with you. An he, enigma. I agree, question. man. If, if I'm sitting there at 50 and it's like the next best player is like Tyrese Halliburton, I would rather have Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, yeah, Halliburton is someone that I, uh, I'm, I'm very, very high on. He's someone that in my uh, most recent uh, article, you know, that's published at, uh, at ESPN is for where he's one of my uh, favorite, like second year breakout candidates. Really, really excited about him. Yeah, so going down the list a little bit more, um, I tend to agree with you with Zion Williamson. I'm, I'm curious about what's really going on there. Like, that was a surprise surgery that he just had. Um, they said he's going to be ready for the start of the season, but I, I think you certainly have to knock him down a, a couple spots in your draft board uh, just for the fact that he might be on a minutes restriction to get out the gates here in a new system under Willie Green. So some unknowns there. And he also has made it pretty known that he doesn't want to be in New Orleans. So who knows if we get another Ben Simmons moment out of uh, Zion Williamson here. But yeah. 
but one thing I wanted to ask you guys, I know you guys are on opposite sides of the fence here. So you you put Chris Dapp Porzingis on this list at ADP 66. And I know that Toffler is very high on uh, Mr. <laughs> Porzingis here. So first, Moody, what, what's your take on why you're considering Chris Dapp's risky in the drafts outside the top 25? Yeah, I would say it's a couple of things. It's, uh, you know, for one, I know that the Mavericks are going through a lot of, a lot of changes uh, in the organization, the coaching staff changes. Jason Kidd that's in there. Then you have uh, Porzingis, you know, mentioning, hey, I want to be traded. We're going to get out of here. Uh, okay, no, no, I don't. You know, I want to stay. Then you got Jason Kidd's like, you know what, Porzingis, we're going we're gonna to get you back to what you did like in New York. We're going to get you back to doing those things. Now, I know coach speak doesn't always like come to fruition. So he's been, he, he's had some moments, you know, he was productive last season, but I think in the playoffs too, the wheels kind of really came off. I think the perception was that he didn't really meet like expectations, but also just to bring all that together, you're looking at like the, uh, you know, the, the injury situation, but he's productive when on the court, but he only played like in 43 games last season, you know, he had like a plethora of injuries, you know, like ankle, knee, wrist, back, all these different types of ailments. But then since the beginning of the 2017, 2018 season, I'm like, he has missed like an entire season, you know, due to like a torn ACL and appeared in fewer than 50 games, like twice. And again, it's a uh, risk reward. You know, you've got the per game production that's there, but then you've got the injuries and you just got to think about how's my team going to survive if I'm depending on, on a uh, Porzingis and he misses games. So that's just a risk I'd rather not deal with. I'd rather take upside and, and I would say at other positions, other players, other areas. I think we need to look at the last two regular seasons sort of in their own vacuum, right? We had the the, the shortened season because the pandemic started and then the bubble, right? They had, I don't know, three, four, whatever, five months off. And then the next season was a shortened season that started in, uh, around Christmas yeah. and went until July. And tons of guys dealt with injuries, including Porzingis, including Anthony Davis, right? Who had a down year. But even in those condensed years and those, we- those weird years, the last couple of seasons, Porzingis still finished at 17th and 22nd on a per game basis. Those are those are massive upside numbers for a guy that's, you know, in this mock draft, I think he went like 65 or something like that. Yeah. Like, so talk about AD at 15, like Porzingis at 66 is an absolute steal. And I, I get, I get, you know, the risk and he's definitely dealt with injuries, but I think everyone's dealt with injuries the last couple of seasons uh, just because of the way that the games have played out uh, in the condensed uh, environment. So I'm willing to go kind of all in on Chris Stapp's when he falls to me in like the fifth round, I'd, I'd be totally comfortable with that. All right. You just recently released an article on the breakout stars in uh, year two. So let's uh, let's talk a couple guys here, man. Who do you, I guess who are you most excited about between James Wiseman and Isaiah Stewart? Yeah, I know who, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with Wiseman here. Um, I know that his uh, you know rookie season was shortened, you know, due to due to injuries and. I would say un- underwhelming, like overall, you know, when people, he's like a lightning rod player. I'm like, you can bring his name up and some are like optimistic and some are just like, oh no, no, don't talk about Wiseman. As you know, he, he could be a lightning rod, but I will tell you uh, one thing I'm really excited about is uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, but uh, I- I'm going to give it a shot. Now, he has the benefit of having a Dijon Milojevic as like an assistant coach. Uh, this is the, the coach, you know, that helped transform uh, Jokic you know, it's one of the NBA's most skilled big men. And he's the guy that's spearheading Wiseman's development plan. And so I'm really excited to see kind of what um, insight that he provides like Wiseman, because, you know, they really need him to, they really need him to step up, you know, because they don't really have really anyone behind him. 
So they really need him to step up this year as like a center. So I think the stars are really aligning for him to have um, really the season that we wanted him to have last year. And he's someone that I'm very comfortable taking in draft. So just excited to see what the future holds for Wiseman. ESPN's Eric Moody is dropping insight bombs here on the Buckets podcast. Like I never even put two and two together that I don't, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but that he was responsible for Jokic's development plan and is going to be behind Wiseman's plan. Like I I could totally see the potential there. I worry about Wiseman's health. Yeah. Obviously dealt with the, the meniscus issue last year and maybe a couple other things. I'm not even sure he's starting the season fully healthy. I'm not, I'm not privy to that, but the upside there is immense because there's not much depth behind him. The Warriors do like to go small sometimes putting like Draymond, you know, at the five and taking Kevon Looney off the court, but you know, Kevon Looney is not going to be able to stave off, you know, James Wiseman's second overall pick for, for very long. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't think they necessarily want to want to have to play like small ball. I'm like, they, they really, really want this guy to step up. And uh, when you look at this assistant coach, I'm like, and when I was doing research for this article, you know, I was like really reading up on like the track record of success that he's had of like European players, you know, being drafted uh, in the NBA. I, I think it may be like 10 or 11 guys. Jokic is like the, he's like the pinnacle. It's like, hey, this, I helped transform this guy. And, and like Jokic was like, you know, he was like uh, like a big, you know, big, the kid, like, you know, like overweight. So he literally like whipped this guy into shape and he, he is phenomenal. We all know that no one's, no one's disputing that, but I'm like, he's getting like Wiseman go back to him. He's getting insight and coaching day in and day out with uh, a coach who was nicknamed uh, the Serbian Charles Barkley. That tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> That's awesome. Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and it seems like he was highly coveted um, for the Warriors to get him into the fold. Like, I, I think it's similar to the way Chris Finch also helped the development of, of Nikola Jokic. I could see something similar happening to Carl Anthony Towns in, in Minnesota with a yeah. full year uh, without COVID and, and health concerns. So, yeah, these these big man coaches can't be understated what they could do for the development of young players. Oh, yeah. um, but I know, Koffler, I know you want to talk about another player on this list that you really like. Yeah, and, and and obviously this list doesn't contain guys like Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton. We all know that they're going to pop, right, in their second yeah. year. This is kind of under the radar, guys. Yeah. Talk to me about Alexei Pokusevsky from the Oklahoma City Thunder. He came on last season down the stretch in the fantasy basketball playoffs with Shea Gilgis-Alexander out, a couple other guys unhealthy uh, for the Thunder. He was kind of a big part of that fantasy basketball playoff run. So talk to me a little bit about uh, Poku. Yeah, I would say with like with Poku, I think the, the first thing that just when kind of researching, you know, his situation and what he did last year was that I'll say for one, like the, the Thunder, like their front office, you know, you look at their GM, look at their head coach, and like they, they are very high and speak very positively about Poku. And so that that's that's really all you need to know. They're like, hey, you know, we got another plan for you. You're not doing the summer league, you know, this year. We're going we're gonna to hold you out. And uh, I know he was really working on his body, you know, to add like some additional strength, you know, to his frame because he's, he's kind of one of those guys where you're looking at him, like he's tall, like he's lanky. So he really wants to transform his body going into this year. But uh, he's someone that I'm like, I think for the most part is like essentially like free, like in drafts. And he's someone that I'm, I'm, I recommend like taking like a flyer on. I'm like, you look at his skill set. I like it because it's like a wide range skill set. I'm like, he kind of showed us this like in 45 games last year. Uh, he averaged uh, 8.2 points, 4.7 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 
you know, 0.4 steals, you know, almost a block a game. And uh, he also shoots threes as well, uh, but he only played like 24.2 minutes. So I look at a guy going into this year, they're like, hey, we want to develop you. We want to groom you. He can end up getting more minutes. But also if you're in like an eight or nine category league, you know, he can end up making contributions at a, at a lot of different like statistical categories, not just points like in rebounds. Like when you think of like kind of big men, you know, power forward centers, I'm like, this is a guy that can get you some assists and maybe some steals, you know, some blocks. So those are the type of guys that you want, especially at the, uh, you know, at the end of your bench, you know, for your teams. I agree. He's like, uh, right. You talked about this earlier, guys that can, can provide stats, um, you know, across the board. He, he kind of, he kind of reminds me of like a baby Chris Stapps a little bit. That's, a, that's like Chris Stapps. Yeah. Chris Stapps wasn't, was wasn't the best shooter when he came in to the league. Uh, he's definitely developed that in his game. Poku didn't shoot very well his rookie season, but that's to be expected with rookies, except yeah. Tyrese Halliburton, who's like a, you know, enigma. He just, <laughs> yeah. his shooting and his assist to turnover ratio as a rookie, just, you know, absolutely incredible. But uh, yeah, I like to take, like you said, I like to take flyers on guys that, have the upside as opposed to like, you know, wily veterans that have been doing it for a long time who just are waiting to lose minutes. Like why would you take Terrence Ross if you could take, you know, Pogusevsky basically? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just take, take the flyer. All right. So the last one we wanted to discuss was um, one of my favorites, Tyrese Maxey. Yes. And in limited minutes, we saw him pretty much be an explosive microwave bucket off the bench. And it seems like Doc Rivers is starting to convert him more into a traditional point guard. Not really a fan of that, but that's a that's a topic for another discussion. Um, but from a fantasy discussion, I mean, his per 36 average is 18, four and four. Extrapolate that out for a full season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got yourself a pretty valuable point guard here, especially if Ben Simmons does not show up to camp. So let me know about uh, what your thoughts are on Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, I'm like you, you hit on a lot of a lot of points that, um, you know, that I, that I agree with. You know, look at Maxey and kind of his usage, you know, during like the summer league. I'm like, it, it just kind of told at least it spoke to me and like saying indirectly is that, hey, this is someone that they want to have a larger role for yeah. this season, you know, the 76ers. And then you look at uh George Hill, you know, he he's gone. That frees up some minutes. But then I'm like, you look at this guy's ceiling. I'm like, you could it could really go through like the stratosphere if uh, Ben Simmons ends up moving on. But even if Ben Simmons comes back, I'm like, Maxie will have a role. And again, when you look at like his ADP or being able to get him at the later rounds of your draft, you know, why not just take the flyer? So, yeah, a lot to like there. Absolutely. Ben Simmons isn't there. Tyrese Maxie's going to pop most likely. Uh, I could see him entering the starting lineup uh, over Shake Milton. But as we're doing this podcast on Friday, Jalen Brown, Celtics, has tested positive for COVID. Mm. And, you know, you know, wish him the best. But yeah. this is just the start of what we're going to see, you know, in the in the NBA season this year. Like, there's going to be guys that test positive for COVID. There's going to be guys in the, in the quarantine period, whether or not they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. It's going to depend, you know, determine how long they're out for. But it's just something to keep in mind. Like we talked about the riskiest players, those guys that you know are unvaccinated. It's like you have to at least consider dropping them down your draft board, even a little bit. Because like you said, Moody, like those guys could be out three, four weeks if, if, yeah. if kind of stuff goes wrong. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So that will uh, conclude our show. Thank you, Moody, for coming on. Tell the people where they can reach you and find you if they don't already and what you're working on uh, for the upcoming season. Yeah, no, I'll be happy to do that. You know, first of all, hey, thanks again, you know, for the invite. We'll, we'll have to do it again, you know, sooner rather than later. But uh, for everyone that's out there listening, I'm like, you can find like, you know, all my content uh, over at ESPN. 
you know, I'm a fantasy sports and sports betting writer there. You know, so I contribute fantasy and sports betting, football and basketball analysis across written audio and video platforms. So my work includes like columns for ESPN Fantasy, you know, contributions to ESPN Chalk and appearances on the Fantasy Focus podcast and Daily Wager. And uh, just to kind of echo what we talked about uh, earlier, you know, I'm excited about this new opportunity, you know, in my uh, sports media career and definitely thrilled to become part of the amazing fantasy and sports betting team at ESPN. Hit me up on Twitter uh, at Eric N. Moody. You know, I'm very active there. You send me a tweet, you know, whether it's for uh, you know, fantasy basketball advice or, or fantasy football, you know, I'll always answer and get back to you. So I look forward to uh, engaging there. But uh, gentlemen, hey, thanks again for the invite. Hey, it's been great. That it has, that it has. And I really appreciate that Money Talks reference, man. I haven't seen that movie in a minute. So oh, that's I, a classic. That. It's, it's a classic movie. <laughs> Definitely a classic movie. Um, and make sure you guys download the, the award-winning Action Network app to track all of your bets. Make sure to check out Prize Picks as well. We're going to have some really cool contests coming up there. Look out for that when they start dropping their lines. NBA is 10 days away. So make sure you get in those plays. And until next week, we will be talking about rankings, rankings, rankings to get you prepared for your draft. Until then, we'll talk to you next week. I'll at you. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.